Welcome to episode 10 of Behind the Blade podcast. Uh, I, we're all punchy. We're, everybody's getting ready for Blade right now. So everything is just kind of... The, it started as the show must go on mentality. So we broke from the shop today to come in and record this. And it, it's going to be a great podcast because we've already been laughing and joking. The momentum is there. You guys buckle up and hang on, but we're going to be covering... What are we covering this week? We're covering new updates on the Microtech lawsuit oh, this was interesting. against yeah. Kai and the Natrix blog post. Um, we're also covering a little bit something special, a little bit for you guys, and you know what? What else are we covering? Uh, Q&As. Q&As. Yeah, this week, because it is Blade Week, Blade Show 2017 is right around the corner. Um, we are skipping the history segment because, as we have mentioned in previous episodes... That does take a certain amount of research time and book learnings and all that stuff. So we said, you know what, this week, instead of doing you guys a disservice and giving you a really crummy history lesson, we'd rather just strike it from this week's episode. And we're just going to move into some fun chatter about what's coming up at Blade, what's hot in the news, and follow it with your Q&As that you guys have built up for this week. So let's get it started. All right. All right. Um, so before we get Yo. started, though, Jim... Uh, when what? you're when you're looking to update your knowledge of the knife community, who do you go to first? Now, now do you mean current and trending events that happen in the knife community? That's exactly what almost, I mean. Almost like we're talking about some sort of news. I believe. I think it would be. It'd be like a knife news. Yeah. Wow. You know what? Is there a place like that? There's a place like that, and I, and strangely enough, it's called KnifeNews.com. Boom! Look at that. They're always one <laughs> step ahead of us, man. Always. We always have the good ideas way too late. <laughs> KnifeNews.com, today's news for knife people, sponsoring today's news segment on Behind the Blade Podcast, episode 10. And I gotta say, we're 10 episodes into this. We're double, double digits. digits. That's right. This is a milestone. And thank you to everybody who has listened to us since the first and what I think is probably the worst would be the second episode. But yeah, thanks for sticking with us for the remaining eight. Yeah, the metrics <laughs> definitely show that. Yeah. <laughs> so jumping right into that, Microtech, a men's lawsuit, says Kai is involved in the Natrix blog post. So we immediately dived into this. How could Kai... Uh, how could how could Microtech say that Kai is involved in the in the Natrix blog post? It's almost like you'd have to prove collusion. Yeah, that's. I think that it's a collusion hunt for sure. And uh, article, I'll let you guys make the determination. What do you got for us, Jim? Well, you know, it turns out that there that uh, Microtech was able to subpoena Kai for email communications between um, the social media manager at Kai and and uh, I guess I guess or some uh, some high end guy at Kai. And I think it was the, social uh, media manager. The social media yeah. manager. And uh, Thomas Welk, Kai's director of... Oh, no, there, there it is. Anthony Scalambrini and, and then Thomas Welk's Kai's... Thomas Welk, which is Kai's director of sales and marketing. Oh, Sorry, it's been a long week. <laughs> yes. So, so um, there were... It looks like there's like an unintentional, or maybe it is intentional, kind of like an underhanded slight... Ever so extremely clear connection that there was definitely a little bit of planning about this. <laughs> I think by definition this is collusion. When I was listening, yeah. uh, when we were diving into it, we're like, "Oh, what kind of amendment are they trying to add? More counts?" And yeah, I couldn't quite figure it out until you read me the emails back and forth between the two. And look, it's not that far of a reach that this guy who writes blogs and is obviously uh, favors Kai over Microtech that he would be uh, chums mm-hmm. with somebody over at KAI International. So uh, it just is what it is. But uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty damning, and I, I kind of think that Microtech has a leg to stand on. I, yeah. In my personal opinion, I think the other shoe dropped, 
and they made these emails public record. They did. They did. They are available on KnifeNews.com, but but there's it looks like there's some direct relationships where they were joking back and forth about the blog post from Everyday Commentary. Yeah. And uh, and about a little bit about um their double entendre about how the Matrix is actually a grass snake. You're right. You know yeah. about, about them stealing the design, which is not actually what the lawsuit's about. The lawsuit's not about you know taking one design and applying it to another one. It's actually about defamation. You know, from which yeah, and if we have to get down to brass tacks and think what you will about the uh, similarities in design between the Natrix and the Matrix, it was the Ma- it was Matrix, right? Natrix and Matrix. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the Matrix. Sounds Matrix. like two GI Joes or something. Oh, right. Matrix and Matrix. <laughs> and of course, they're on opposite sides, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. One's Cobra Except Command. They were twins, separated birth. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, all over again. Yeah. So I mean, say what you will about that, but the fact of the matter is, is uh, there's there are laws against defamation and slander, and uh, and I guess that's where the line got crossed, and there was some collusion on this uh, trip, uh, defamatory trip. Yeah, there is a little bit. Should I read some of this? Uh, I think you should just you touch know? on the email. So okay. these guys, I, I want you guys to be able to hear this. Of course, I want you to go to knifenews.com to read the entire article, but we'll give you the juicy little morsels that you so, require. After reviewing the product description for the upcoming Natrix launch on January. January 5th, 2017, Skull and Brini wrote to Welk. Also, in the joke, the Natrix is my favorite product Kai has released ever. Oh, God, that is funny. <laughs> Welk replied to Skull and Brini, not sure what you mean, joke? Natrix is a genius of... Uh, a gen- genius. Genus. Genus of colorblind snakes. Four species are in the genus. They are collectively called grass snakes and water snakes. Am I missing something? Question mark. Very tongue in cheek. Very yeah. tongue in cheek on that one. Skull and Brini followed up to the email, noting, "Oh, the double pun of a snake in the grass. So amazing. I'm buying one for the lols." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Somebody said, "I'm buying one for the lols." For the lols. Yeah. <laughs> the laughs out louds. I don't know which part of that gets pluralized. That is it. The louds. Or the, it should be the laughs. It should be the laughs. Yeah. 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 I guess. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know how to pluralize that though. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, they did here. So. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's so, so yeah. Uh, you guys go ahead and form your own opinion. I'm sure the uh, courtroom staff will form their own opinion also. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they will. This is definitely one of the more interesting things that's happened in the in the knife industry as of late. But it's definitely interesting on both sides, <laughs> and it's and it's certainly worth looking into. But it's it's very entertaining at the very least, and it's news, man. Yeah, that's it. So, so we are required to bring it to you. All right, and here it is. So, um, Matt, what do we have something, uh, you said we had something special. Okay, so instead of doing a what are you carrying bit, because, uh, I've been a lazy slouch and I haven't rotated, I'm, you're lucky I even changed pants, guys, to be honest he's, with you, yeah. He's honestly been extraordinarily busy, like, even when I go into the shop, he goes, he goes, he goes, it, under the under the breath, he's very much like I'm <laughs> busy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I gotta go back and bleep that out, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm busy right now. What do you want? I mean, yeah. and he's like, he's super nice about it, but, but I can tell that's what's going on. So I try to make everything that I do very brief. But yeah, so been, I haven't been yeah. been celebrating my entire catalog of knife collection, although I did make some recent acquisitions that we'll go over in subsequent um, uh, podcasts. But instead of what are we carrying, it's what would we like you to be carrying? And Jim, <laughs> we stopped over. We talked to our friends over at KnifeShipFree.com and Behind the Blade podcast picked up a, at, I should say, an American Knife Company Forest 2 
in black canvas micarta in, with leather sheath. In pristine condition, this knife this knife is very cool. Brand spanking new, new. Off the shelf, $329 MSRP on this mother. And they mm. are sweet. They're very Scandinavian style bushcraft knife. I mean, they're, they're bad. Stainless steel pommel on there. Uh, it's great for camp chores. Got a five inch blade. It's uh, just under, I want to say, 316. So I think it's 156 on the spine. 156 Is that right? on the spine. I think yeah. that's 330 seconds. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Three. Three Is or five thirty seconds. Five thirty seconds. Five thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. Three thirty so, seconds is a little way too thin. It's uh, <laughs> it's a stout little knife. It's got a Scandi grind on it with a convex edge. Uh, I believe uh, Bark River was the one who made it. Is that right? Yep, or yep. like we produced, fab- them. produced it? We yeah, produced okay. them um, according to American Knife. But Company's it was uh, Jim Noka's design at American Knife Company, and they are just a hot, hot knife. And this is behind the blade podcasts gift to you guys. So what would we like in return? I'll tell you. We want. 200 subscribers we're getting very close already in just the past nine episodes because they Mm -hmm. haven't heard this yet and uh and we want to cross that barrier of 200 subscribers so you hear us ask to click that subscribe button on soundcloud itunes and uh the follow button on stitcher i believe is that right and google play and google play right play any one of those or all of them, if you're feeling really ambitious. Yes. I'm sure yeah. you have accounts at all those places. So if you hit all those places. So as soon as we get to 200 subscribers for Behind the Blade podcast, we are going to be doing a giveaway. Details to follow, but we're going to be doing a giveaway on our Facebook page. But we'll be announcing it across the Instagram and, uh, of course, the website and the podcast itself. Absolutely. There's something really special about this knife, too. It is. It is laser etched. With a very, very crisp and clear behind the blade logo. Behind the blade. Behind the blade. On the reverse <laughs> side of the blade, we put behind the blade for you guys. So it's a special behind the blade podcast commemorative American Knife Company Force 2. Free for the taking. As soon as we get that 200, that 200th subscriber, we'll then initiate the giveaway process. And we will be looking at the metrics and making sure that we do it the second that it hits. And... It's all for you guys because we love you guys so much. And we appreciate you. And we I can't tell you how much it means to us to get the emails and the messages and the support and even the critiques. You know who you are. Uh, we, <laughs> we really appreciate it. And we love being able to share this with you guys. I mean, again, this would just be Jim and I sitting at the table. We wouldn't need the microphones. We wouldn't need the computer. But we wanted to include you in with it. And it's uh, it's working. I mean, I, there's nothing else I can say. It's working. Yep. So thank you. Yep. The whole plan's coming together. Do not forget to share the episode, share previous episodes, share any episode that you'd like, share the share the website, share just share everything alike and get the word out there and get people involved in this because that ups everybody's chances Absolutely. to be able to get into this. And we really hope to be able to do this as soon as possible. We want Behind the Blade podcast to be like syphilis in the 1800s. But in the best part of the way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Proliferation way. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> in the proliferation kind of a way. It's a, it's a really interesting way to say it. All right. We'll roll with it. <laughs> we want it everywhere. That's what I was getting and at. And we want you to spread it for yeah. us. So I'm going to go get a powdered wig. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm going to go get on my sloop and head over to your house. So, all right. Get ready to get weird. We'll be back in a minute with the next segment, guys. What's happening, gang? Matt Martin with Behind the Blade Podcast telling you about one of our friends, KME Sharpeners. That's Kilo Mike Echo Sharpeners. These guys 
number one, first off, they create jobs. They've got a, a great staff working for them. They believe absolutely in using American-made products and raw materials in all their sharpening systems. Everything is completely made in the United States and all their components now Full disclosure, Ron, the owner of KME, he said that he wasn't 100% sure about one screw and one nut on the entire system. And he didn't want me to get on here and say things that weren't 100% true. So there is one screw and one nut on the entire system that may or may not be used made in the US, but every single other item, every part, every piece made by Americans, buy out of American parts, I mean, how good does it get? Their customer service is completely off the chain. I know last week I told you that uh, Ron called me personally after seeing a picture of what I was doing using his sharpening system, and he said, hey, let me tune you up on that a little bit, and he offered me some help. So as Blade Show gets closer, I know that Ron and Jake and the guys are all going to be at booth 55 at the Cobb Galleria this year at Blade Show 2017. Please stop in. Tell them Behind the Blade podcast sent you. Give them a big old handshake. Let them whip an edge on your knife. I tell you what, you will not be disappointed. These systems are amazing. I did it on my Sabenza. I've done it on a number of knives now, but that Sabenza stays on my hip all the time. So stop in. Booth 55 at the Blade Show 2017. KME Sharpeners. To check out this amazing sharpening tool, we highly recommend that you guys go to www.kmesharp.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. And, you know, in lieu of skipping the history segment, we're still going to talk about something exceedingly cool because, you know, we're cool cats and you're cool cats and, you know, cool cats talk about cool cat things. In this case, in this case, it's Blade Show. Matt's, Matt's crying in his arm right now because it's like, it's like I'm drunk, but I'm not. <laughs> but we're going to talk about Blade Show and, you know, uh, past experiences and what, we, what, what we're really looking forward to seeing and everything. Matt, sir, I know that you've got, like, a full plate for Blade. I mean, like, I know that I've got a full plate for Blade, too, but it mostly revolves around this podcast and talking to different people. It does. And yeah, uh, behind the Blade, right. we're going to have, uh, we got the, the Wi-Fi for the booth over at uh, Vehement Knives. I'm going to plug myself, Vehement Knives. Uh, <laughs> we're at booth 301 uh, at the Cobb Gallery this year, so we're this is our first year as a booth. But we did uh, pony up the extra bucks for a Wi-Fi password, which is... I think it comes out to be like, I don't know, $40 a letter for the Wi-Fi password. Per <laughs> <laughs> so, letter transmission. Per character. Yeah, yeah, per yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was pretty expensive, but we did that for a couple things. Number one, Vehement Knives wants to be able to throw up some uh, live feeds and pictures and stuff of the, of the table and people we meet and stuff like that. But the other side of the coin was now we have a hub for Behind the Blade podcast to be able to interact with you guys on a live basis and we can drop little uh, quick audio clips and interviews and be able to fire them off to you guys so you can kind of keep up in real time all of those of you who can't make it and even some of you that can being in the industry we get a little bit of inside track so we get to talk to a lot of top makers and companies and uh, you know CEOs of these companies and whatnot True story. so you may not have run into them at the snack bar line and we will hunt them down and talk to them so you could actually be listening from the Waverly Hotel that night and listen to the people <laughs> that you wanted to hear so it's, it's like, pretty cool or, or listen right along with us be like I met that guy today too yeah. he really was like that exactly yeah, and, and that's so, an entirely separate conversation than what I had with him <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be a lot of fun I know I'm looking forward to seeing Mike Janich and the Spider Co 
Jericho crew. Uh, it's been a while, probably about six, seven months since we moved up to Michigan. So I'm really amped to go see my buddy Mike and check out sure. a lot of the new Spider-Co knives that are coming out this year. When I was at when I was at IWA, uh, t- 2017, back in March, I got to meet Mike Janet. She actually came up to her booth and, and I had no idea who he was. I've never seen the guy before. Comes up to the booth and goes, so uh, we have a mutual friend. And I went, <laughs> who, who are you? <laughs> not not literally, but but right in my head. Who are you? And he goes, uh, and he goes, uh, I'm like, oh, uh, who would that be? He goes, Matt Martin from Vehement Knives. Germany knew Vehement Knives. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Germany knew Vehement Knives. No, but nobody came up to us. We had a good conversation. He's a really cool dude. Yeah, he, he honestly is. Very unassuming cat. And I've, uh, yeah. you know, Mike was an instructor of mine with some of his uh, Marshall Blade Concepts uh, knife combatives. Mm-hmm. And I, th- he's he's such an unassuming looking guy. And here, this he is just a can of whoop ass. Like I'm telling <laughs> you, like he's unbelievable. The guy is pure strength and technique and it's, it's really surprising because he's just i mean he carries himself confidently don't get me wrong mm-hmm. and mike if you're listening to the show i'm not busting your i mean i bust your balls per- person anyways you know that but uh yeah you wouldn't think but when he springs into action you're just like oh my god i it, he's just, all business so yeah. mind your p's and q's you never know who you're going up against when you're talking trash because i can tell you he could school 90 percent of the people i know for sure Oof. um Hell of a guy, though. So I'm really excited to see him. I'm also excited to go to Kiku Matsuda's booth. If you guys aren't familiar with him, he has done some collaborations with SOG Specialty Knives in the past, and he is a extraordinary maker in his own right outside of the collabs. Um, he has really brought a lot to the table as far as design, surface finishes. You'll see his influence in surface finishes in our stuff, although we do it completely different. It was absolutely inspired by Kiku. Uh, and I, he's just an amazing maker. His English is about as good as my Japanese, so we have very short conversations, but uh, a very respectful guy. He normally has a translator at his booth. I'm not sure what table he's going to be at this year, but if I can make it to his table with a couple bucks in my pocket, I know I'm going to grab Jenna a little neck knife from him because she's Perfect. been dying for it. So that's one. Who are you looking forward to seeing, Jim? Um, actually, I have a plan to meet with um, Evan Nicolades oh, from, nice. from Esnick's Knives. Yes. Um, um, I actually have one of his beer busters, as, as we talked about yep, earlier. Yep, great knife. I've seen it. And the knife is perfect, and and uh, we were going to maybe do a little bit of business together. He was talking about uh, something a little special going on on the side. And I don't know how um, how much I really can say, so I'm going to go ahead and say stay, <laughs> stay safe and mum yeah, yeah, there on you this. Go. But he's also going to be at Blade. I'm not quite sure what table he's going to be there. Obviously, probably the custom maker's table. Mm-hmm. But he's usually either uh, sub, you know, subletting with somebody or sharing a table, but he's always got his banner out. He's a super nice guy. He's he's very well spoken. He's he's intelligent. He knows he, and he loves knives and he lives and breathes slip joints. Awesome. This guy. I mean, he's he's as dedicated to the knife industry as we are from a different angle and it's and it's fantastic. That's great. I he's, love hearing he, that. Gen, genuinely an awesome guy. So, um I'm am t- talking with him. Um I'm probably going to be stopping by a number of custom number of custom material makers like uh, Nicholas Woods for sure, Heath Stone, Heath Stone Products. Um I bought a lot of stuff from them from those two guys last year. And uh, maybe pick up a you know some more some more uh, material accounts. There you so, go. Um, so that's really that's really my blade show. Uh, and then and then the rest of this stuff for me is just like going around getting around interviews. Podcast, well, podcast, podcast. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, so one guy, I, it's worth mentioning, and I the guy just deserves a plug. So I'm going to plug him right here. I don't even think he's setting a booth up. He's just coming up to visit. I know he's in pretty tight. I'm pretty sure with the guys at Wilmot Grinders, they make a hell of a grinder too. Oh, by oh the way. I, check I stopped out. by their booth last year. Yeah, they're, um, they're they're good stuff. So check out Wilmot Grinders. But uh, Robert Abbott, he's <laughs> my Australian. Excuse you. His name is Robert <laughs> Herbert. He's an Australian uh, from R and N Blades, 
And you'll probably need some kind of babblefish to understand what it is he's saying. He's got a super thick Australian accent. But this guy is a extraordinarily talented knife maker. And I I think because the distance, maybe he doesn't get the press in the U.S. that he deserves. Um, but his execution is razor sharp. I mean, mm-hmm. everything from his grind lines to the fitment of all his handle materials. Very and nice. he does a lot of classic hunting knives. His slogan is... Uh, uh, what is it? I'm gonna blow it, but you know he's not like a paid sponsor, guys. I'm sorry, but it's it's made to use, made to use. Hashtag made to use. So in right. fact, you can search on Facebook hashtag made to use RNN blades, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and you'll be able to see his work. And I guarantee you, it is just. I mean, it's like Bob Loveless jaw dropping tight. I mean, they're just beautiful, well executed, well thought out, useful hunting knives. Oh yeah, no, I totally see it. I just found it, and oh, I I yeah. know that he's kind of. Moving a little bit into the combative knife and kind of this a uh, little bit kind of neoclassical fighting knife sort of yep. motif theme that he's going into. And there, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a guy more qualified to design knives, again, made to use as Robert Herbert. And uh, I, I can't say enough about R&M Blades. I can't say enough about Old Man Herbie himself because he's just mm-hmm. a stand-up cat. And we've been friends on Facebook for quite some time now. And I finally get to meet this guy in person. I will not challenge him to an arm wrestling contest, though, because this guy has got, got some guns. And so, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I just uh, so go check him out. Go check out R&M Blades. So uh, the Facebook page for RNN Blades is facebook.com slash old man Herbie. O-L-M-A-N-H-E-R-B-I-E. That's him. Old man Herbie. Rabbit abbot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so I'm really looking forward to meeting him in person. Uh, that's that's another one. Les George. That's another one. Oh, yeah. One. Les George is going to be there. Yeah. That's uh, Les has been around since we started, since Vehement Knives started. Right. Uh, we had some mutual friends in uh, an industry that we were both kind of dabbled in a little bit. And... Um, from the very beginning, like, oh, you know, so what do you guys think? When's a good time to go full-time into knife-making? Like, those days. Right. Uh, and he's been there kind of busting my chops behind the scenes a little bit for a number of years, and I've actually never met him face-to-face, and, and we've, uh, you know, talked on the side and whatnot. So I'm really looking forward to finally going and shaking hands with Les, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what comes of that. I, I've got some high hopes for that, though, but that'll be uh, a lot of fun. And so... Um, That's Blade Show. Yeah, well, yeah, a number of a number of uh, makers were actually suggested to me. I think um, I don't, I'm not sure if Stefan SP is going to be there or not, mm. but I know that uh, um, Anders Hogstrom is going to be there too. Um, that is, uh, these are just people that have been suggested to me to look that I've never met, but I'm to check out. Me. Yeah, uh, Claude Bouchonville. Oh yeah, I, I think we've all I, seen oh his God. work. Yeah, his work is phenomenal. Uh, another another fantastic Belgian. All the Belgians that I've met so far have been great people. <laughs> so for all three of them, I'm Van Dam. <laughs> yeah. I've never met him. Okay, yeah. so Dad says that he did, but yeah. I didn't. So, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So go ahead. There's another name I can throw out there that I'll be checking out. Is so, Torbay knives going to be there? Torbay knives. T O R B E. Maybe it's Torb. Torbe. Tor. I'm going to assume it's Torbay. Torbay custom knives. Eric from Arizona. Uh, it, he's listing on Arizona custom knives. Yeah, I don't know um, if he's going to be a blade. He's out of Norway or something. I think. Is he? That's cool. This guy. Oh my god. I'm such a freak for his knives. He makes the coolest looking stuff. And I mean, his photography is on point. His design and uh, uh, visual tension yeah. is on point. And I've, I've never held one or used one, but I can only assume that seeing the way he does, he just, yeah, that's, yep. that's yep. awesome. Just, just turned around the Chromebook to show Matt yeah, what he, I Yeah, he found. just does great work. And he's it's pretty diverse, but every he, 
like Todd Begg said in the interview, his knives have a face. I can pick a Torbay out of a lineup any day. They right. all have very similar cues, even though they can be vastly different designs. Absolutely. And so they have a, his brand has a face. I'd like to see him get even bigger if he hasn't already. I've been following him for a couple of years. Uh, just a hell of a maker. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, I think I think that wraps it up for me. I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to discover more people yeah. to be able to follow and 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 to talk to because there's tons of really awesome custom slip joint guys um, that I that I wish that I could mention here and and then also say are going to be a blade show, but I have no idea. Right. Gotcha. Like uh, like Jared Oser or um, uh, Evan, of course, is going to be there. Um, a couple of guys, but I. I'm really hoping to find more people to talk about because I'm feeling kind of left out over here. Oh, <laughs> any cool materials? Are, are you on the hunt for any cool materials for the shop? I'm always on the hunt for cool materials for the shop. I mean, um, there was one material last year that didn't seem to take off really well, but it, but it was that it was that aluminum mesh 3D thing that I was the talking lizard about. skin kind of kind of like kind of like that. Um, but it seemed like it was a lot stronger because everything was like internalized oh, and okay. it wasn't like part of the structure. Gotcha. Of the there wasn't the, the matrix that held everything right, together. Yeah, right. It, you know, I mean, because you know how strong is really that going to be? It definitely looks cool, but. Um, there's all sorts of different guys in the custom handle material testing out different things. I know that, uh, Beyond Wood Products right now is actually having slabs of reclaimed furniture. Oh, cool. Like, they throw furniture into a chipper, take all the pieces, and then stabilize them and then put them together in slabs. And it looked awesome. It looked like spalted maple. I'm pretty sure that's how IKEA furniture is made. (laughs) (laughs) Best board. (laughs) No offense. It's it's really funny. (laughs) It's like they're the... <laughs> they're uh they're man what was that old movie with charlton heston where, where uh soylent green so it's they're, people it's, yeah. soylent green handle material <laughs> yeah. yeah soylent green my carta yeah all right whoever does that just send me a slab of it just so i can say if you take soylent green and make it a my carta it's got like a finger bone sticking out the side or something. <laughs> what is this oh it's part of the product it's fine it's a feature not it's a bone. people <laughs> yeah. so all right well i guess we're gonna see you guys in a little bit for some awesome q a and Thank you so much. And we're back. Uh, Welcome back. <laughs> it's uh, I'll, I, look, I'll, I'll totally bear the weight and responsibility of this. Again, we've been really hammering it out in the shop, uh, really yeah. grinding it out in the shop Help. more accurately. Yeah, it's not just you; it's me too. Yeah, yeah. A lot that I've been that I've been catching up on at work. Not to say that anybody was behind or anything, but it's like, but it's like for some reason these last two weeks have just been like. An organizational nightmare. <laughs> right. And stack that but, on top of Blade Mania. You know, uh, we both run our own companies respectively, and we still field everything for the podcast. But this week, the podcast is going to have to do without a history lesson, without tech tips. And I, like I said, I have no problem. I, it, like I said, it takes research, guys. This isn't uh, going to be the norm that we're actually a little bit embarrassed to come out like this. But the fact of the matter is we're building up to Blade Show 2017. It is the largest knife show in the world, and we're going to it. So there's a little Correct. bit of work that goes into that. Well, and, well, and it's not just that to make it up to you guys. We have a ton of content coming live from Blade from Show. From Blade Show, yeah. So, so we're, we're already lining we're already lining things up to be able to do live Blade Show Getting coverage. the equipment ready and tuned oh, yeah. up and ready to rock. Absolutely so. ready to go. I think I, I think there's a couple things I still have to get before I leave. Right, pitter you know, patter. But, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I gotta get Hello, my Amazon. Amazon Prime? Yeah. <laughs> $4 overnight yep. score. Let's do it. So we're, what we're going to do is we're going to be doing that and then it's right back to your regularly scheduled program the week after where yes, we're going to have regular full episodes. Yes, sir. So we're going to jump right into Q&As. 
So let's knock it out. All right. What do you got from the email behind the blade uh, info at behind the blade podcast.com, which is strangely enough, our, our email that you can email us. If you too have a question, yes. Info at behind the blade podcast.com. Don't be shy. Just email us preferably questions. I really thought that was going to end in a rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not that clever right now. Don't be shy. Just ask these guys. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, that's why we're not rappers. Okay. So so from Phil Remington. Hello, gents. I'm wondering what your favorite part of Blade Show has been. And if it's worth a normal guy to pony up the cash to make the trip. Thanks for the continued entertainment. So let's answer that backwards. Yes. Yes. It's worth going. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, it is worth going. There's so much to see. Oh no. Oh yeah. From if you, even if you stop and you're really, and you're, you know, you're a knife guy like Matt and I, and you're really into it, you're not going to see all of it in the weekend that it's there because there's so much to see. Oh yeah. So, so it's, it's in, it's, it's like, it's like, can you see all the parks in Disneyland in one day? Kind of right. thing. I mean, yeah, with, exactly. with less walking in between attractions and less lines. We call it drinking so, from a fire hose. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. and But <laughs> it's so much, it can be a little bit overwhelming. But you get the three days. You know what I mean? You show up on Friday. You show up on Saturday. And you show up on Sunday. Oh, a little bit of etiquette, too, while we're talking about this. Sunday, jog my memory on this. Um, Behind the Blade podcast, Park River fans, Vehement Knives fans. You guys are all pretty classy in your own respect. We appreciate you. I don't think we have any of these people in our ranks, but I do think it is worth bringing up. Here's a tech tip. Sure. This is going to be, this is going to be, here's your tech tip, guys. Blade Show 2017. Do not, under any circumstances, go to a custom maker on Sunday and start haggling on price. These guys yeah. worked their tails off and they killed themselves to get to that show. They worked extremely hard, late nights, sometimes foregoing family functions or time with their family or meals or sleep or water True or story. bathroom breaks. And then just to have some guy come up and say, hey, it's Sunday. This knife's still on your table. Will you take $100 less than what you're asking for it? Absolutely, please show some respect to the custom makers in that center aisle where all the custom makers are. And I don't think you should haggle with anybody at the show, but specifically Mm -hmm. these guys who just fought out of the trenches to come put their best foot forward, do not try to lowball off them. There is nothing more classless and tasteless. And I tell you what, you'll never see a vehement knife sell off the table for less than the sticker price. The only only thing we do offer is like military or LEO or first responder discount at 10%. With with proof. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I got to see a cat card, guys. And so, but... um, yeah, so just please, and I, I honestly, I don't see our listeners being this typeset, but if you do have buddies of yours that are like, I wait till Sunday to get the good deals, please give me, do me a favor and slap them on the wrist and let them know. Yeah, if, it, if I were speaking frankly, slap them on the face because mm-hmm. basically what you're doing is you're taking food money away from this guy's family. You're, you're telling him that his efforts are not worth what he's asking. Yeah. And so I, I just think it's the, and if you don't think the knife's worth it, then don't buy the knife. I mean, it's that simple, Period. but Period. don't expect him to come down on price. And for all you guys in the trenches, don't give into this. You know what I mean? I know one in the hand is worth two in the bush, but I, I don't play that game. I, I'd rather take a knife home and sell it to my fans directly, which doesn't happen very often, but I like to come home with a knife and sell it to directly to our, our friends and fans as opposed to let it out there. It also hurts my dealers. 
And so anytime I mm-hmm. devalue the brand, it devalues our knives through our dealer network. Yep. And we won't do that either. So it, there's a lot of things at play here. So if you think it's a really just brilliant plan that you came up with, that you're going to go lowball people on Sunday when they're tired yeah. and hungry, that's ridiculous. Tr- Please don't do that. Trust Matt's words. It's not nearly as smart as you think it is. You're right. Because it's actually like a huge insult to these guys, especially the custom makers who who don't who literally cut everything by hand and finish and fit everything by hand a lot of you um, I, I can't say you guys because I know that all of you guys know this the people that are listening to this I am speaking to the choir right now because you guys are because you guys are awesome but there are people out there who just don't know the effort that goes into making some of these knives. I think it came off like an ice cream truck or something. Right. You know, like, right. oh, I'll take the blue one. <laughs> right. So it's like, what'd you do? Buy this off of no. Amazon and burnish off the burnish off the stickers? Right. No, not at all. I mean, like they bought the raw materials. They they put everything together. They scribed it out. They put a lot of thought into the design and the execution of this. And just just understand that the value that they place on that knife that's probably pretty accurate according to the time or undervalued according to the most time likely. they put into it like, yep. most likely undervalued i mean because we've all done that we've all we've all made a knife and sold it for something that should have been way more than it should have right because because it's, it was a labor of love you yeah know, and, you, mean, and so, you can't you can't charge people for the learning curve this is just a yeah. little insider from a, a custom knife maker is you can't charge people for the learning curve so just let's take a step back a number of years and say before i knew how to solder guards or solder guards well at least um, I can't say it took me another four hours and bill you for that because right. I wasn't entirely confident in the way I was doing it or the outcome. Right. So, right. I mean, a lot yeah. of times makers will really kind of <laughs> lose their ass a little bit because they don't bill for the learning time, which they can't with a clear conscience. So, you know, again, a lot of times it's undercharged for the amount of time of effort that went into it. Please do not ask them to give that up any further. All right. Next question. So, on to the next. What was the... It was a two-part question. Is it worth going to Blade and... Um, no, that was it. That was oh, it. favorite part of Blade Show. Favorite part of Blade Show and is the, it worth it to go? The pit. Yep. The pit's favorite part. That's where you get... I mean, mm-hmm. so the the uh, event center, the expo center yep. there at the Cobb Galleria, that's amazing. Uh, you get to go see all the makers. You get to see all their products. You get to go see all that. And then afterwards, at the Waverly Hotel, just behind the Cobb Galleria, is what is colloquially known as the pit. And that is because it is a sunken, like, lobby like, yeah, area. Yeah, sunken lobby, like, bar. Like, yeah, several bar, bars. Yeah. Bar, couches, everything's, everything's like, gloss white. A lot you know? of moon. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah a, little bit. A, a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of... So, yeah, there's a lot, lot going on there, but yeah. that's where you get to actually face-to-face with these people, and they don't have their um, table face on, right? It's not, hey, how you doing? Good to meet you. They're, they're, they're real people. Right. You get to interact with them. That's where the big deals. There's a lot of trading going on in there. Yeah, there's a lot, uh, of, business, a lot of business functions being made. A lot of transactions. Lots of stories, not just from you, but from but from my father when he when he used yes. to go, and then, and then from a number of other people. And I would hear stories about the pit. While I was at the pit. Yes. Yeah. You know yeah. It's, mean, like, so that's a place to be, yeah. man. It, it, it is. It's great. That's basically the blade after party. So uh, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Remington. Am I getting that right? Yep. Phil oh, Remington. Phil Remington. Phil, if you uh, do follow our prescription and take one blade show at least by next year, then be sure to follow it up with a healthy, healthy dose of the pit thereafter. So next question. Yep, next question. You got it. From Braden Ned Willick. Hey guys, great podcast, exclamation point. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> She's got the two-part question. Question one, have there been any knives you've deliberated over purchasing, perhaps even for years, before you finally made the purchase? And question two, probably more for Matt, so I get to lay back on this one. What's your favorite ballet song for the flippings? 
I I emphasize that. He just says for flipping. For, for, for the flippings. <laughs> for the flippings. Um, I'll answer the second part, Jim. Sure. You can answer the first part. Okay. So, Bali songs. My favorite... Well, look, my favorite's got sentimental value to it. My favorite is a Benchmade Model 42 that I got roughly 11 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. It's a Weehawk blade, half serrated. Um, it was actually a gift from my father. And that is my favorite. It's got titanium handles. It's a Springer uh, locking mechanism on there, which I think is just the uh, the bee's knees. <laughs> there, we, there it is. We used it. Um, and uh, I I just really enjoy it. Now, is it the fastest IKBS variant? Uh, no. Is it comfortable? Yes. Is it sharp and does it look cool? Yeah. Does it have a really unique, great sound with those titanium scales? I love it. Sentimentally, I absolutely love it. And I love it as a flipper or as a, a Bali as it is. I, I mean, I use it all the time and play with it. I'm not spectacular with it, but I probably have a repertoire of probably a dozen moves, maybe. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Do you know who's awesome with the Bali song, though? My 10-year-old daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly who I was going to say. So, what, what, and, you, and you told me about a certain house rule. Okay. You guys have with this. So, so we have we have a long standing so my daughter is a freak of nature and she's insanely manually dexterous and getting better um, all the time. And we decided to get her a practice butterfly knife from Reed over at North Star Training Post. And it was a Benchmark USA, the old Blackie Collins brand. Oh wow. And so cool. it's, yeah, it's US yeah. made and everything is huh. super cool. And um, I I gave it to her hoping that it would kind of help her build up her dexterity and she is getting to be really good at it and her motions are smooth and fluid she's 10 years old now this isn't like a youtube channel childhood prodigy thing let's not make it out to be more than it is but she is actually pretty good with it and she loves it and she carries it around now in our house anytime somebody drops a knife i don't care if it's me i don't care if it's jenna i don't care if it's our daughter uh anybody who drops the knife owes 10 push-ups right then and there mm -hmm. and so and my daughter <laughs> is like this heavy-handed enforcer so even from the other room, you know, she'll hear like, that's 10, dad. You'll hear a yell across the house and you're like, hey, that was a fork, man. It fell out of my salad bowl. Chill out. And so she's, she's just such a heavy handed enforcer. And then, but inevitably, even while she's learning to use the ball, even on the trainer, if she drops it, that's 10. She's got to drop, drop and do it. So yeah, on average, I would say in a week, uh, probably collectively between the three Martins, we, we probably throw out about, I don't know. 40 push-ups or something. Yeah. So, Everybody has oh, chest. Punishment. Yeah, punishment push-ups. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so, that's, yeah. So, there's that. Yeah, that's and, cool. And then what uh, was the first half of that question? Uh, first, The first question was, have there been any knives you deliberated over purchasing, perhaps even for years before you finally made the purchase? For me, for me, that was the Spenza Large 21. Oh, there you go. It was, it was the Spenza Large 21 that I have. Um, I was able, it was able to finagle my way into one finally after, after I decided that I really wanted it because it's a sexy looking knife. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's got, it's got great engineering. It's got, uh, it's got great texturing. You can tell by looking at it that a lot of thought went into its execution and, uh, and its design. And, and I finally got one, you know, um, a couple of years ago and I could not, and I could not be happy, but I deliberated over a long time about, you know, about, about getting one, you know, obtaining one and, and uh, I guess that's my story. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, Sabenza, I, it, it, was just, it was just, do I want to drop the money for it? Or do I want to try making one? Do I, what, you know, what do I want to do? And I'm like, ah, screw it. I'll just buy it. So, uh, but it's more out of respect for the, the legend behind the design because it's like a staple. If you're a knife guy, you have a Sabenza. Right. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's just part of it. And I really wanted to understand why and understand the love of it. Yeah, there it is. Matt just pulled his out. <laughs> right, he's carrying his right now. Yep. Mine's upstairs. But, 
but it's a it's a, it's a really really cool knife, and definitely props to the guys over at Chris Reeve for for doing it. Yep. for sure. Yeah, they do a great job. Absolutely. Great job. What, what about you, Matt? You got anything for that? Ah. Uh, I'm a, I'm such a cheap bastard. I'll be honest. Are, with you. So, are you like an impulse buy guy? No, no, <laughs> like, no, no. So everyone is deliberate and deliberated mm-hmm. over, and so there are knives that I've wanted for years. Look, I just got that Model 14, that Randall 14 attack. Right. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, now's the time, and it's I don't know five years or so that I've wanted that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm super cheap and. I will research and look and research and look. I have a feeling that Great Eastern uh, Cutlery 54 Moose, the, uh, the Nesmok the style. version of it, yeah. I, I, that's on my radar, and I think eventually I'll find the right deal on the right one, and I'll pull the trigger. But And don't pull up eBay. I'm a thrill of the hunt guy. When it oh. comes to knives, mm-hmm. I very rarely order off eBay because there's no gratification in that for me. I, I can't. I just jump on eBay and I'm like, oh, there's the one I was looking for. Click by now. I, I way rather the right one present itself at the right time right, and correct. me have a hand-to-hand cash transaction or a trade or something like that. Right. And to me, that is more exhilarating. And so I feel for like sure. eBay kind of cheapens it t- to me. You know what I mean? And I that's that's just my own personal philosophy and that's gotcha. the way I behave. Gotcha. That sounds good to me. So. So those are the two questions that we have out of email, guys. Again, that was uh, Braden Ned Willick. It just goes by Ned Willick. Um, so thank you, guys. Thank you, Phil Remington and Ned, very much for the emails. It's, uh, it's very awesome of you. Info at BehindTheBladePodcast.com. We'll answer your question on air. We are going to jump into our Facebook page for the questions next. Uh, ben Maravich, uh, leather versus Kydex versus hybrid leather Kydex and why? Uh, hmm. Well, okay. I'm a leather guy. I like leather. Um, Kydex has a great purpose. I think the, th- the reason I don't like Kydex so much is because I'm, I am a knife user. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a, a knife maker first, right? Yeah. Maybe I'm a knife user first and a maker. I don't know. I'm tired guys. Cut me some slack, <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll define it for you. You are a knife user who decided you could make better tools. Yeah. Well, at least <laughs> ones that I like to look at. And then, so yeah, and, and it's true. They're pretty cool. Thank you. Yep. And, uh, but I, the reason I don't like Kydex is because to me, it's, uh, it's, it's going to scratch blades no matter what. I don't care who makes it or how it was done. Eventually it's going to scratch your knife. And as a maker, you're like, Oh, that's my baby. I don't want to beat up. You know what I mean? <laughs> that and the leather quantity about uh, it's going to rot and it's going to fall apart. And Look, I mean, these are legends that were brought back most likely from, I mean, maybe even as long back as World War I and the trench warfare where there was absolutely no maintenance schedule and no real longevity for uh, individuals engaged in trench warfare as it was. Right, so, so they didn't really put a lot of longevity into the plan, into the design and life of the product. Either. Right. And so, yeah, stuff rotted or even in the jungles, you know what I mean? With, with no care and, and long tours and stuff rotted and stuff fell apart. But the fact of the matter is today with the oils that are already put into the leather sheaths by the time you guys get them, uh, the leather sheath is going to last you a hundred years yeah, that, with minimal. It's totally anything. true. Yeah, it's it's going to last a hundred years. No, I mean, especially if you do something like you snow seal it or something, or <laughs> right. you, or, or you have it eaped at oh, one of the distributors yeah. or something. Snow seal. There's there's four bucks. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? like, for the can. Yeah, exactly. How many can you do out of that? Out All of, of them. All you of them know? for the rest of your life. And so that's my whole point. Is they're like, well, it's just going to rot and deteriorate. I'm like, maybe in a century and a half. I mean, like, what, but, kind, of, what kind of leather are you using? Rat leather? Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. like, like, how many rats did you put together to have that kind of? Well, I found this in Ed Gein's apartment. 
<laughs> There's some hair follicles here right, from yeah. here. In these is that a between. tattoo? Yeah. yeah maybe. Um, <laughs> no. So I think leather is where it's at. It just it it doesn't need much. Now, if you're going to be diving, I don't recommend leather and saltwater <laughs> diving applications. Well, of course. Kydex yes. is totally acceptable. And in that case, the leather hybrid goes right out the window. As far as the hybrid goes, um, I think they're neat. I think they're kind of novel. Um, th- there are some, be- I've done it. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. not saying that, like, oh, I've I'm good above that. Of, the both. I, of, I, of the hybrid. I think the, it's, le- it's, the leather insert on the Kydex and the Kydex yeah. insert on the leather. I've seen them both. Yep. I think so, they're aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, sure. I think they give a neat click. Yeah. I also, I don't see the point. Uh, neither, neither do I. It's like a we the uh, the kydex on this is only for the retention of the knife and doesn't go onto the blade for scratching it. That's what the leather's there for to protect it. But then you scratch up the guard. Right. I mean, so so it's it's just it's a it's a lot of. I don't really want to talk negatively about it, but in my opinion, it's just it's just a it's almost a gimmick. It's it's a it's a it's a problem to a solution that may or may not exist. That may or may not yeah. exist. And I really don't want anybody to be turned off by my opinion on that. Um, if you like those things, then go get those things. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, they, it's not like it's a bad thing. It's not like it's like, well, when you're well, talking about cool factor, mm-hmm. it is purely opinion. So yeah. you guys asked, here's our opinion. Yep. Um, the, the hybrid cheese have cool factor. Uh, do I think, I, I think, I think, yeah, here's what I think. I think a hybrid sheath is exactly as good as a can opener on a Swiss army knife. And, sure. Yeah, that's And I think it gets the job done. It can look mm-hmm. good while doing it. Is it as good as a can opener in your mom's kitchen drawer? Probably not. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's the, there's a long and short of it. Next question. Sure. Okay. Thank cool. you, Ben, by the way. Uh, man, I'm looking forward to seeing you someday, bud. Uh, it's been a while since we've hung out. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, on to Cody Assume Atherley. Hey guys, loving the cast. My question is, what are your takes on neck knives? Personally, I'm a big fan and find neck carry to be my most useful form of carry. I always find myself reaching for my neck knife over others when I'm carrying it. I know it can be a controversial subject. Luckily, I don't speak for a living. (laughs) I know it can be a controversial subject because people seem to either love it or hate it. And I just want to get your take. Thanks for everything. No, thank you, Cody. I appreciate your participation. I appreciate you writing into us, and I appreciate the compliments, right, Jim? Absolutely, man. It's it's totally cool to hear stuff like that. So, um, if I can go ahead and start yeah, answering this hit one, it. man, um, I don't like anything. I don't like anything around my neck. Um, not even like hands. Not, uh, definitely, <laughs> especially hands. Especially hands. Um, <laughs> I gotta take a mental break from that for a second. Hang on. We're punchy guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> like the record scratch <laughs> across the whole thing. But um, um, I don't like anything around my neck. However, that is not. Uh, it's not to say that I haven't tried neck knives before. Um, we made a knife. Barkover made a knife forever, call, forever ago called the Mini Slither. Oh yeah, I know that knife. The yeah. whole thing was two inches long. Yeah, tiny. And it, tiny. And it had this tiny little um, dog tag sized Kydex sheath that it slipped on, and I had one, and I carried it. It was a black carbon fiber, black carbon fiber pin oh, nice. thing. I think I have it upstairs somewhere, like in, in, sitting sitting in my sitting in my, uh, my my one of my drawers. But um, I used to carry it, and a number of people, because I'd carry it on the outside of my shirt, would see it and be like, "Oh, that's really cool. That's awesome." And I'd and I'd reach up, I grab it, and boom, it was out in my hand for a quick edge to use. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to dis as I don't want to disassociate the the cool factor here and the utilitarian factor here and on 
on how it's cool and useful at the same time. Yes. Because you can, there's a lot of different sizes of neck knives out there. A lot of different guys use them. And it is extremely handy and utilitarian to just go reach to your chest, pull down, knife out. Quick, quick, you know, use the knife, quick snap back, and it's hanging. You don't need to reach for your belt, go under your clothes or anything. There's a lot of positives to that. It's just, I don't like anything around my neck. So, and that, that's, and that's where it ends. For me. And me, I look like yeah. Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. I have so much garbage <laughs> hanging around my neck. It's like if if Mr. T were to wear leather necklaces instead of gold, right? I have so much stuff, and it's just and whatever. It's just the way I am. So that part doesn't bother me so much. I did carry a neck knife for years. I used to right. carry a cold steel spike around my neck all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I loved it. You know what I didn't love? What running. <laughs> yeah, and slap, so slap, 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 it's just slap, slap, bouncing slap. around. Yeah. I was always afraid I was going to sure. chip a tooth or something like that. And so are they handy? Absolutely, especially if you don't run. And uh, mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean, I carry a belt knife. Not everybody likes to wear a belt. Not everybody looks like Batman from the hips down. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I get... Well, well I left my grappling gun, you know, in the car, and I'm just carrying a regular knife Silly, so you, I you have know? mine right here. Oh, shit. So, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry, guys. I know we went off the rails. Our apologies. <laughs> and you know what? Okay. They were both gym tonight. So, yeah, <laughs> doing good still. All right, yeah, um, that's right. I get I, to look at Jim like he's weird. Tonight. Yeah, I probably cussed like eleven times. We just didn't even catch it. <laughs> no, 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 so far, so far it's been twice. I okay. have to go back and edit those out. Um, so. <laughs> but uh yeah so i mean I, I i have no problem with them i think they're great i know jesse hempel i know he carries a neck knife all the time i look at cody lundin survival guy uh he carries one all the time i think if you like it rock it and mm-hmm. love it uh for me it was just a matter like i said of running or hanging upside down off a roof when i was working on you know uh, outside a house and stuff like that it would eventually fall around and become uncomfortable and a little cumbersome yep. so that's why i stopped carrying it right so there you go next question all right, Jordan Richard Wagner. I do that every week, Jordan. Thank you for sending us questions every week, too. <laughs> Jordan Richard Wagner. Uh, what do you find to be your most useful blade length for general day-to-day use? Jim Stewart, what have you got for this? About three and a quarter inches. Three and a quarter? Three and a, three and a quarter inches, because that's about what my ultralight bushcrafter is. Oh, okay. That's probably the most utilitarian knife that I've ever that I've ever used. I mean... It's it's small, it's lightweight, it disappears on my belt, and I always say this every time it, every time I bring it up. Oh yeah, but it's it's probably one of our most underrated models in the in the Bark River line. A lot to talk about, not a lot to carry. Oh yeah, no, yeah. it's 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 a it's a it's a simple knife. It looks good. It fits multiple different size of handles because of how our hands because mm-hmm. because of how it's shaped. It's a it, it's comfortable. It's 093 thousands on the spine, CPM 3V. The edge lasts forever. It slices like a mother, yeah. and. And three and a quarter inch blade length. With three and a quarter inch blade okay. length, and and it's you know, the drop point you can use for all sorts of different things. I've used that knife to make other knives. It's like robots building right, robots, right? Right. You know, and or cannibalism. Uh, seriously, and uh, <laughs> and it's extremely utilitarian. Cool. So, um, that's my that's my useful blade length, and and for the tip profile, a drop point. There you go. Absolutely, just for me. That's that's my opinion, and what I found to be extremely useful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean, I'm three point five inches for sure. EDC. Yeah. For camping, it's five. Sure. And, yeah. and so I like a five inch blade. Um, where I'm on this major five inch blade kick, guys. You're gonna have any vehement nice fans out there. Just it'll be over soon. Don't worry. But we're hoping to do some really cool stuff because I'm really into the five inch blades right now. Because to me, that is the most useful field knife length. Um, there's not much that you cannot do with a five inch knife. And for in town carry, I like three and a half inches. Maybe that's the Colorado guy in me. Anything over that, it becomes a sticky issue with the law. And I'll say that with a switchblade in my pocket. Well, those are totally illegal. So don't. I'm a hypocrite <laughs> and I, I speak out of both sides of my mouth when it comes to knife laws. But 3.5 in town, five inches in the bush. 
Here, here. Uh, my uh, my springbok is about four and a quarter inches. Okay. If I were to look that up, that's probably the size of my bush knife. The only problem with, this, with my springbok is that I feel it's too heavy. Oh, yeah. I need to go back and skeletonize the handle if I ever do it, another run of those. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I think, I think that'll that'll really make it sell. All so, right. Jer Bear, rough start. So this is kind of a convoluted question. <laughs> <laughs> Please bear with me. Puns, I'm sorry. <laughs> Whenever I get a new knife, I use it to eat a ribeye. Now, I'm going to stop. Hang on. Using the knife will break down some kindling, open the charcoal, then light a fire and grill the steak, and I use the knife to cut up my steak. So far, I've learned a lot about every knife I've tried this test on. Do you have any preferred method of testing a new knife? Jer Bear, before we go any further with this, please tell me that you contacted Knife Ship Free and picked up one of those wooden steak plates and that you're not taking your new knife <laughs> testing knife and cutting it up on your wife's ceramic dish because I will lose my mind. My head will explode if you're like, whenever I'm testing a knife, I drag the edge across a porcelain plate and see how it does. <laughs> so, Every knife I've tried is going to dull for some reason. No, I, so I've met Jer Bear. In person before, and I can tell you he knows what he's doing. Oh, I've been, yeah, I've yeah, okay. yeah, no. <laughs> it's it's a valid concern to air out. It is. Believe okay, me, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I can't tell you how many times I've handed a knife to somebody, and and it's like, oh, thanks for the knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm like, I'm like oh, uh, oh, stop oh, doing oh, that. God, oh. so, I, no, I think that's a great test. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I want to. Yeah, I, I, I think the ball busting. But yeah, I think it's because basically what you've done is you've run it through the gamut. You've built your own knife laboratory in the form of a barbecue patio. And you're cutting paper, you're breaking down wood, you, you know, the paper in the sense of the charcoal bag. Um, I don't know if you're lighting the fire using a fire steel. If I could add anything, I would say that would be great. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, to, to see if that if the spine or any portion of the blade is uh, capable of striking a ferro rod or if it's a carbon steel knife. Although it does really jack the knives up when you use them on flint and steel. But uh, but other than that, I mean, that's... I. I don't know if I have a preferred method of testing a new knife beyond just going and building a camp somewhere or an EDC, just using it every day yeah. and either getting frustrated with it or falling in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of, maybe I'll ad- adapt yours. I think yeah. that's, I think that's actually, pretty sweet. Actually, we should talk to him about that. See, see, hey, um, can you give us the release on that test? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's, that's uh, Behind the Blade podcast test because that's that's really good material right there. And that, that I, what else could test. you possibly have in there? I mean, uh, like yeah. uh, well, the fire, I mean, the fire steel. The, yeah, I mean the, the fire steel. The fire steel. Um, everything else. Um, it's it's a uh, everything else looks like looks like a normal just woods task that yeah. you would have to do. Absolutely. I mean, short of short of killing the animal and skinning it. Yeah, right. I guess you and, could and, always and, yeah and, and attack getting, the cow right and getting <laughs> a flay or a yeah. backstrap out of the. Out of the, out of the back of the animal, and then doing your test again. I mean, like on top of that, would would you know? But that would be going to the extreme. Except yeah. if it's deer season, I guess. And you and you and you and you're out of camp. Right. No, I but, love it. I mean, but, obviously, no, obviously, we split firewood. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and we all have the knife mange, uh, so we always oh, shave man. our arms. And not because it's important to have bald arms. It's because if it can do that, then chances are it can open an envelope. Yeah, you, you know absolutely. what I mean? Or a bag of charcoal in your case. Speaking of right. knife mange, it's always really funny because my arms look like look like look like a. And I forget his name. The second, the second that it comes up, um, Robin be- Williams. Oh, my, my arms oh, look like right. Robin yeah. Williams' arms. Like when, swamp when thing. I've yeah. never <laughs> had them that long. Yeah. I think, I think when I when I went off to college and I was like out of the knife making thing for for uh, you know about a year. That's when all of my arm hair grew back, and I was embarrassed by it. Look like a Kowalski. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like my arms look like your beard. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. It was it was really funny, but uh, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Just thought I uh, just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, next. Exactly. A knife mange. <laughs> knife mange. Yeah. Um, Brian Travis, lean here. What are your thoughts on tapered tangs 
in the same vein, what are your thoughts on distal taper on blades? This is a great question. Uh, I think you know this one probably better than I do. I love the look of tapered tangs. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do. mean, like, and, and like, a, especially if you've got a shorter blade and a heavier handle, because it's where all your materials are. You want to lighten up a blade, man? Taper that tank. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, uh, the Loveless Dropped Hunter. I mean, let's just go with what works. So you have this large handle with a relatively small, although visually proportional blade, and you want that balance to be lively. You want it to be at the index finger as you're holding it in a forward fencer's grip style, or even as mm-hmm. skinny, it would be your uh, middle finger just behind the guard, your index yep, against sure. the spine of the blade. And it just, mm-hmm. it gives you a lot of control. And I, I think it is a challenge for the maker. So whenever they take the time and effort to do that and get everything to fit up seamlessly, then I think that's a kudos to their ability. I know that I get excited when I do it right on the rare occasion that I do it right. Um, no, I, I, I'm all about it. Distal taper on blades. Now, this is, this is cool, Brian, because I've never done a distal taper on a blade other than via grind height you know what i mean on a full height grind knife you can get a pretty good distal taper just because of the motions of of grinding right Right. um but as far as pre-grinding the same way i would do like a tapered tang i i think it's really cool it does result in a little bit of a fine tip um but i think it's a challenge that if a maker can nail it and do it well this is especially done with blacksmiths you know what i mean so that's the other thing is that a bladesmith i should say is that they forge in that distal taper right. forward of the guard. Uh, and for anybody who has any questions, what they're talking about is that let's just use the guard as the point of origination here. And as the handle tang or the tang of the knife moves away from the guard towards the butt of the handle, it gets thinner. And as the blade moves away from the guard towards the tip, it gets thinner respectively. Mm-hmm. So almost looks like a really thin diamond. Yeah, exactly. Point, yeah. Like a know? very stretched out diamond, right. a spaghettified diamond. Yep. Yep. And, uh, it, it, it's supposed to be absolutely perfect comfort and fit and, and usability and weight distribution is, is I guess the legend behind distal tapers. It's pretty magical though. When yeah. you hold them, you're like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what that was. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we all grew up yeah. loving like the cold steel SRKs and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, big SOG seal 2000s and whatnot. And you're like, yeah, this is a great knife. And then all of a sudden you pick up one of these $1,200 oh, ABS right. forged knives and you're like, oh, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, my world has been expanded. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Thank <laughs> that, you, master. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. That's where we feel on that. Uh, Jonathan Scott Eldridge. Uh, try not to cuss on the air, but uh, very funny photo, buddy. Yeah, we were, I was cracking up. We were going through the questions oh, this yeah. afternoon, getting ready to record. I saw. I just started <laughs> laughing, and then I I called you a couple expletives that I won't repeat on the air. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Venture Kukri's. How big is too big? How small is too small? Uh, too big would probably be the Nepalese size of sacrificing a cow. Yeah, the ones they cut like yak heads right, off with or whatever. Right, right, Those right. are they, huge. They bring in the cow or the yak and they say, well, we're going to, the biggest, strongest guy in the village is going to take this huge, massive kukri that's like three and a half feet. In blade. Feet long, in yeah. blade length. And maybe, maybe eight inches tall. Yeah. And, massive. and, uh, and if he can cut the head off of that large animal. In one stroke. In one stroke. They have good crops for that year. How'd you like to have that pressure? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Joe over yeah, here. We're yeah, not going to exactly. get any corn this year. Right. We're all going to starve to death. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Joe. Um, <laughs> too small. Well, here's the thing with a kukri is there is a point where it becomes too small to be a kukri by definition. Right. Otherwise, as far it's a kukri shaped knife. It is. It yeah. becomes a knife specifically. And it could be a hell of a fighter. You know what I mean? Sure, it, yeah. it could be a decent defensive knife or something like mm-hmm. that. But 
Uh, honestly, once you start dipping below 10, maybe 9 inches, getting below that. Total length? Uh, no, blade. No, blade length? Yeah, yeah okay. I think once yeah. you start getting, like, if you get into the 8 and 7 inch blade on a kukri, yeah. it, it fails to be a kukri and uh, uh, true definition. Yeah, you know? yeah, I would agree. You've got more more along the lines of an odd-shaped knife. Yes. At, at, at that point. Um, and, and then you would use that in the same way you would use any other knife that's about 7 or 8 inches in length. I mean, it's just short enough to be effective at chopping. You might, you might, you might be a little bit more effective, but it wouldn't be much. I think that's when it starts to diminish really more yeah, than anything. Yeah. yeah, you get diminishing returns at that point, yep. dr- shrinking it. But, um, but uh, as far as like a smaller companion knives, Gurkhas and stuff back in the days had those smaller kukri shaped companion knives that w- they would use actually for eating and small tools. Yep. But they'd use them like knives, and they looked like kukris because it fit the motif. Right. They were built right into the scabbard. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah, they were. They were. Um. Um. Back at the shop, I know I've got one that holds like a good, you know, I'd say 14, 15 inch blade. Excellent for your fighting and your chopping in your utility. But then it has six other smaller attachments. Six. Six of them. Wow. Like like a two, 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 you know, just right right along the side. It's got a fork. It's got um, a dull dull knife that's not sharpened. So is the dull one, now I've heard, and I I won't pretend to be an expert on this, um, is the dull one that comes with those? Is that for honing the blade? Because that is that, the that's lore. what I've heard. Okay. That, that's what I've heard because it's it's it's, it's a little bit harder than the steel itself, mm-hmm. and it, and you you're, you actually are able to shape the edge and almost like think about how you like mold clay. Right. You take a hard thing to a soft thing, and then you actually shape it back out. Yep. So that's just for like your basic maintenance. The, then that would be the blade shape one that's not ground at all. Right. And that right. was what I was understood always yeah, that, understood. Too, that's so. that's that's what I've always understood okay. too. And if we're wrong, by all means, tell us because Sorry, you know I'm definitely not like a kukri historian expert. Reed, you know? this is your chance. If we're wrong, let us know. <laughs> He's sitting back in his <laughs> yeah. bed right now. Yeah. <laughs> Feverishly typing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but no, there was a, there was a, there was that there was a regular small knife. There was a fork with two prongs. Oh, um, so a toque. Uh, yeah, basically a toque <laughs> versus a three, right? <laughs> and uh, and a couple of other tools that I guess in my set were just missing, but there were definitely holes there. Oh wow! In, in yeah. the sheath, in the sheath for that, but but uh, but yeah, no, all their tools it was just like there was like their little Batman belt. Can, Have you, you seen know, my kukri want. spoon? <laughs> <laughs> it just comes straight out and bends down. Yeah. You actually have to eat it at your <laughs> right. angle. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's see. I think. Well. Folks, I think that's a podcast. I think that is the podcast. Matt, thank you f- so much for joining me on episode 10. We're 10 weeks into this, man, and we're having nothing but awesome success. Great conversations with you guys. You guys are contacting us. We're getting lots of Q&As. New questions every single week. Yes. That's just awesome. I mean, for, for as young as we are and for as small as this podcast is and where we're projected to go, I mean, we're getting... We're thrilled. Nothing but clear skies, man. The last thing we wanted, guys, was another job. But we are loving this. I mean, it's just been it's been so gratifying for us to share this with you guys and have you guys interact with us. And we just we can't say thanks enough. And hopefully we will get to say thanks in the form of that giveaway. uh, AKC Forest 2 knife. And we can't wait to get to the 200 subscribers so that we can get that in one of your hot little hands. And uh, you guys can enjoy it. And uh, thanks to Jerbear for that really cool testing idea on how to cover the full spectrum of day-to-day knife uses in one fine meal. We will see you guys in Atlanta next weekend. At Blade Show. Blade Show 2017. Have a great night, everybody. This has been Behind the Blade Podcast, Episode 10, hosted by Matt Martin and Jim Stewart. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, 
and listen to us on Stitcher. You can hit that follow button just as easily as you can hit that subscribe button. Please do so. That would be fantastic. You can check out more episodes and further information on our website at BehindTheBladePodcast.com. While you're there, if you feel like you got something from us and want to return that favor, hit that donate button. It makes you a little taller and more handsome person. It does. Try it. Find out. Help us spread the word by telling your knife friends in your social circles about Behind the Blade Podcast by sharing the episode, sharing the website, and spread the good word. Have a knife-related or industry question? Email us at info at behindthebladepodcast.com. And everybody, have a great night. <laughs>